0: 13 BCE, and you are an all-powerful pharaoh of ancient Egypt. Your name is Ramses II, and you have built monuments that will last thousands of years, conquered cities from foes, and will come to be known as Pharaoh of Exodus. But you've been noticing a toothache lately, and it won't go away.
1: It turns out many ancient Egyptian pharaohs suffered from poor dental hygiene. Radiographic findings indicate that one of the most famous pharaohs, Ramses II, likely died from dental disease, also known as periodontal disease. Dental health has been important to humans from ancient times to modern times.
0: In modern times, even though we have made advances in detecting, diagnosing, and treating dental disease, not everyone has access to these services. So let's learn a little more about it. Before we get started though, Here's a quick quiz question. We will reveal the answer to this question at the end of the episode.
1: Hey, Hannah. There were 4,438 dental health professional shortage areas in 2012. What percent of them were in non-metropolitan areas? Hmm. In these two episodes, we wanted to learn more about oral health. We spoke with Community Dental Care and the Dental Therapy Student Organization at the University of Minnesota to learn more about this important public health topic. First, we will hear from Karen Kleinhans, CEO, and Dr. Katherine Siebert, Dental Director at Community Dental Care, to learn more about community-based approaches to oral health. In our next oral health episode, we hear from Fonsuda Chantuvisu president of the Dental Therapy Student Organization at the University of Minnesota, to learn more about the emerging field of dental therapy and its role in making oral health accessible and affordable for all. We hope you enjoy our interviews with these incredible, dedicated oral health
2: professionals. Well, I'm Katherine Siebert. I'm a dentist at Community Dental Care, and I'm also our dental director here.
3: And I am Karen Kleinhans, and I am the CEO and that's my role here to make sure the organization sustains itself.
0: So how did you become interested in your current work? Yeah
3: um, the reason I became a dentist
2: um, is I wanted to, I, I wanted to go as far as I could with the privilege that I had in education and develop a practical need a practical skill excuse me that met um, the, like a need of the world And so dentistry ended up being um, being that place. Uh, I knew in dental school that I wanted to work in a community health setting. Um, I did some, looked at a couple different um, clinics, and I really fell in love with community dental care and with what we do here. So I've been here for almost eight years. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I went into health administration. I got my master's at the School of Public Health at University of Minnesota. Um, and the reason I went to Healthcare Administration is I really believe healthcare is a right and everyone should have access to the highest quality that everyone else has. It's a social equity issue. And um, being a systems thinker and someone who likes to solve problems, um, I felt that um, working in public health is a better choice because there are plenty of problems in getting access, and um, I did spend a lot of my career working for hospitals and health systems, and I've brought that to this setting um, to try to help us make sure we fulfill our mission in a sustainable manner.
2: Can we talk maybe a little bit about what Community Dental Care does and all of our clinics? Do you mind? Absolutely!
3: So Community Dental Care um, is a community-based not-for-profit um, we, we serve about 50,000 unique patients a year in our four clinics. We have 260 employees, 45 of them are dentists. We have about 35 hygienists. Um, and we have clinics in East St. Paul, Maplewood, Robinsdale, and Rochester. We also do an extensive community outreach in preventive education and services. We have a school-based sealant program. We're in 15 schools. Um, And we also are doing some of those very services in a medical clinic, screenings, fluoride varnish, a particular medical clinic that's serving a lot of uh, immigrants and um, mostly the Karen population. So we have staff here that speak 26 different languages. We're from all parts of the world as are our patients. And so we are designed to serve people in a very culturally sensitive manner, people of all ages and all abilities and we provide as comprehensive a dental home as we can possibly provide, given the wonderful providers that we have.
0: Can you tell me just uh, um, sure. about um, how Pini Dental was founded?
3: Absolutely. So our founder, Dr. Vachari Peterson, was an immigrant and is an immigrant from Thailand. She moved to the U.S. when she was 17. She went to college and then dental school here in the state and started her own practice and really had a heart for serving uh, those in poverty and especially new immigrants and opened a clinic in St. Paul and did that for many years. And when she was getting ready to retire, she was worried that no one would take on the mantle of her her passion And so, and also found it a little bit difficult to cover costs with just the basic public programs reimbursement rates. And got advice that she could become a not-for-profit given the population she serves. So she did that in 2005. And then with that not-for-profit status, was eligible for a very important program called Critical Access Dental Care. It gives uh, those providing care predominantly to the underserved, to um, public programs enrollees, uh, a little bit more reimbursement that helps us cover our costs. And then was eligible for foundation dollars, which she used to expand the organization from that one clinic of five dentists to what is now four clinics and 45 dentists. So that's a tremendous legacy that she has left and has done tremendous work for the people of the state of Minnesota.
1: Mm-hmm. We'd really love to hear some stories um- so, could you tell a story about how your work has impacted the community members that you serve? Sure.
2: One of one of the my favorite stories, one of the ones that sticks in my mind, is actually a um, he's probably an older middle-aged gentleman. We were going through the process of making him a denture, so a whole brand new set of teeth, brand new smile. Um, he had he was going through the process of getting moving from homelessness. He'd been in a halfway house for a while, and his next step was going to get to have an apartment so he was getting some extra funding for the state for his first apartment and he was so excited um, the nice thing with denture appointments is that most of the work um, happens outside of the mouth so we can have really good conversations um, with our patients and so through the through this process it became apparent to me how much he'd been working internally how much he'd been working on himself and so the day i was able to give him his teeth it was like an outward manifestation of her of his inward inward work and it was oh he was just he was just beaming he was taking those teeth that i gave him and just in, infusing it with his own spirit it was really really wonderful so i wish him wish him the best I haven't seen him since but i really wish him the best that's one of
3: my favorite stories can we just add one of the things that's really important um, when someone's going from homelessness mm-hmm. to being an independent person is having a job and it's really hard to get hired if you don't have a basically healthy-looking mouth, right? Mm, And dentures are a great way to kind of recover Mm -hmm. from a chapter of life or even a lifetime of poor oral health, and you can then put those new teeth in, have a healthy smile, and you are much more confident and um, basically desirable to employers Mm -hmm. because of that cosmetic Thing. and frankly is there an easier health experience as well from dentures yeah eat better
2: to eat mm-hmm. absolutely can um, many of our patients are um, very compliment they have very complex medical histories and so if we're able to give them a, um, an, a bit their, improve their ability to eat food and stay um, stay healthy and, and get back to being healthy that's a huge motivator for them
3: yeah, yeah. and dental health I think this is one of the surprising unknowns. Uh, It was surprising to me that it was not broadly known that access to dental care is really difficult to to have Mm -hmm. if you don't have money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Because unlike medical emergencies you can go to the you know you can go to the emergency room and get it addressed for your medical needs but they don't provide dental care in hospitals and in emergency rooms and so you really need clinics like ours and there are a handful of others of course that do this work but there are not very many compared to the the number of people who need us. Mm-hmm. So we never have a shortage of patients. We operate this clinic from seven thirty AM to nine thirty PM Five days a week, two shifts a day, and we're we we always have people waiting. We take walk-ins, um, we take emergencies. We have we're full on appointments, mm-hmm. months ahead of time, um, and it's just a very uh, significant need of our community. Yeah. I'll I'll tell a story. Um, so I mentioned we have uh, outreach programs, um, and we go to fifteen schools, and we met a Child actually in one of our outreach events who um, was, her? I'll call her Cynthia, a sweet, shy, Hmong girl with long, beautiful black hair, and she was in serious pain. And um, her mother had brought her to this event and and wanted her to get looked at because this was an opportunity for that doesn't present itself very often in this mother's and child's life. So uh, we, we could, our dental hygienist could see she had very, very serious cavities in her four molars they were just shells of teeth and you could see very deep um, toward the, the root and um, that's why it was so painful for this child and the mother knew of this but didn't have the money to get it repaired um, and it, it, she was quoted four, thousand dollars to get her child treatment. she just did not have that those resources. So we of course said, well why don't we make an appointment for you at our clinic? And we have what uh, something we call mini-grants, so people who don't have any insurance at all um, are eligible for, for grants, and we take donations from anyone who'd like to give them to us, and we reserve them to give as grants for, for care, for people just like Cynthia. And so she was able to come in and get her treatment, and it was free for her. And her mother was elaborately grateful, and we are so blessed to be able to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. One thing that we see a little bit, more in the community health setting is the is the this pretty severe early childhood caries and so i'm sure it also is uh prevalent or not maybe not prevalent but i'm sure that it also is present in private practice but the amount of little kiddos that come into our clinic that just have cavities on every single one of their teeth it's pretty sad i've seen cavities on kids teeth um, before they're one years old Uh, thankfully not too many of them but that's a That's a sad day when you see a kiddo that needs some work done and they're so young.
3: It's the most common chronic disease of childhood dental disease, Mm -hmm. and it's 100% preventable, and so we invest a lot of our resources, limited resources, in preventive education, so we have something called the Program to Improve Community Oral Health, the acronym is PICO, and we've been doing that for many years, we use motivational interviewing and teaching tools to impress upon people in all different languages, um, what are some good healthy habits, don't put your child to bed with a bottle, with anything other than water. Um, make sure you brush their teeth as soon as they emerge from the gum. You know, make sure you're not letting your child snack all day long on high sweetened foods. Even crackers can cause dental damage. And, and make sure you have enough water as a regular rinsing uh, tool and, and put your children to bed um, having brushed their teeth. And parents need to brush their children's teeth because little children are not able to do that they don't have the manual dexterity and doing so regularly develops a habit for everyone in the family and teaching a mother or father to to do this for their one child really teaches the whole family because it ideally becomes a habit we do a lot of follow-up calls with the children and families that are involved in our pico program we enroll them in the program and we call in to call them back every three to six months to check in on how they're doing and um encourage them to set goals and changing their health habits. So we, we know it's a very effective program. There's 62% reduction in cavities risk for those enrolled in our program.
2: Yeah, it's a, on a nationally recognized as well. It's mm-hmm. an award-winning program, so we're very proud of it.
0: How did that develop? Like, Did you talk with other clinics about like a, a curriculum, or did you develop, develop it like in-house here?
3: Um, actually, the United Way Recognized this as a problem, I'd say about 12 years ago, and maybe 15 even, 15 years ago, Um, and they had all of the safety net dental providers kind of come together and create this program together, and and funded the development of the program, the motivational interviewing and the teaching tools and the goal setting, and then we all proceeded to do it, and we're actually community dental care is the only one. From that original group that still do this program, and probably a lot of the reason why is this is not funded. None, nothing about our PICO program is reimbursable, so we only fund it through foundation grants, donations, and from our own operating revenues. And we believe it's a really good investment. Prevention is the best medicine, and so we if. You know, we will do everything we can to maintain our PICO program because it is really effective, cost effective um, as a public health program.
1: And for listeners who are looking to learn more about the program or might be interested in making a donation, where would they go to find
3: that? Well, they should go to cdentc.org, c-d-e-n-t-c.org, and um, that's our website. And we would love everyone to visit and learn all about us and the people we serve and there's a lot of patient stories and donor stories on the site and you can donate directly on the site. And we'd be happy to come talk to any community group you'd like us to um, and they should always feel free to reach out.
0: What has been like the biggest surprise or surprises um, in your work with oral like, oral health, oral disparities?
3: Having come from the medical side of things, the hospital side of things, the medical clinics, I and I've spent my whole career in healthcare. I had no idea that this access problem was so severe. I had no idea that dental disease can be fatal. I had no idea that dental disease or gum disease can exacerbate every other inflammatory disease in your body that contributes to bad outcomes in chronic conditions. So. That's really surprising that I've spent my whole career in healthcare and I had no idea. It's just not taught. We have a program for nurses. Uh, nursing programs don't teach a lot about oral health, um, but some groups realize we were we teach students all, in all kinds of ways. And so we actually host many nursing students um, each year uh, for I think two to four hours um, just to expose them. Here's what's important to know about oral health care and good oral hygiene and dental disease, and here's how you can recognize it, and here's um, some important things about making sure your patients are practicing good oral hygiene, because that's a neglected thing in many settings, and so we're trying to uh, reverse that trend.
0: Given that it's such a big problem, why do you think that it's been left out of, like, nursing curriculums or other, like, uh, healthcare care uh, training programs?
2: So medicine used to kind of include dentistry, but I don't know how, how far back it started to separate. But the dentists really wanted to be carved out as their own, <laughs> as their own um, kind of their own thing. And the way that dental practices work and medical practices work are just a little bit different. Um, dentistry is more fee for service and. Nicole is a little bit more appointment-based um, for reimbursement. Uh, and so I, I think the dentists probably started the process of, of sequestering themselves from the rest of the medical field. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, that's true of, of um, medical training. They don't get a lot. They, they learn about everything except for the mouth. Um, and so that is that is a, an area that just isn't taught very yeah. well.
3: Yeah. One of the enlightening things for me, and I'd recommend your listeners, um, pursue reading this book called Teeth. It's by Mary Otto and it was an assignment for me when I took this job, read this book and it will give you the history on why medical and dental is separate and why we have such a serious dental access problem in this country and some of the things I remember if I'm remembering correctly is you know, think about the Wild West long ago. Dentists were kind of like barbers, you know they you go in, they pull out your tooth they give you some moonshine or something, and then you go on your way. Um, and they initially weren't really well respected as a as a medical science because they kind of weren't. And then as we learned more and science progressed and um, bacteria was understood or whatever um, – dentistry became more of a science and more of a training and they created training programs that, that were very similar to medical training programs and and then it was like well let's be together but one or the other party wasn't interested at the time like occasionally the medical part wanted the dental in and then some and when they did the dental didn't want to be in and so it's just evolved in this unfortunately separate parallel and um, medicine is is you know highly regulated and and organized, and reimbursed, and um, dental isn't as much, and of course, we are regulated, and we are reimbursed, yes. but it's a very, it's not the same, mm-hmm. it's not the same, so it's like a specialty unto itself, um, when it really should be under the same umbrella, in my opinion, of, of the medicine, because it's just another part of your body, just like orthopedics, focus on, on your bones, dentists focus on your teeth, and mouth, and gums,
1: and for listeners who might not be familiar with um, dental disease, could you explain a little bit of what are the symptoms? On sure. Yeah.
2: Um, so there's two different types of dental disease. One is cavities, and then the other one is gum disease. And so cavities, um, it's actually a bacterial process. Um, there's some bacteria that produce acid whenever they um, metabolize sugar Um, and so as they digest the sugar they produce an acid which actually dissolves the tooth little by little and if this process happens long enough um, it creates a hole in the tooth which is home for the bacteria and that um, eventually can work its way into the inner part of the tooth so then it needs to be fixed into the dentin or into the very center of the tooth, which is where the nerve and the blood vessels are, that can become pretty. That can become very serious if, if left to its own devices. But um, when it gets to the nerve and the blood vessel in the center of the tooth, that's it really is a highway to the bone. Um, and so it, that can become very painful. Somebody maybe needs a root canal or an extraction. Um, and you can get a pretty big abscess or infection um, if you see if there's a toothache and someone has a really big swelling on their teeth. That's because the infection or the bacterial infection has gotten to the inner part of the tooth, which is then moved to the bone and caused some problems. Um, the other thing is is um, gum disease, also a bacterial process, different type of bacteria. This is an inflammatory process. Um, so the the bacteria gets gets stuck between the tooth and the gum tissue um, and it creates some inflammation. The body actually moves the bone out of the way so that it can fight off the problem better. But that process of moving the bone out of the way creates um, a bigger space or bigger the the, the gum tissue where it touches the tooth, um, becomes a a bigger, it's like a we call it a pocket. So a little bigger pocket around your tooth, and then more bacteria gets in there, and then the inflammatory process happens again, and moves the bone out of the way, which makes the pocket even bigger. Um, so people can have some pretty significant bone loss. Um, worst case scenario in that situation is um, they would lose their teeth. Every all of the teeth would be quite loose, which we which we do see many of our immigrants have never seen any um, dentists before. So um, some of our immigrants coming over that are Korean, some of them have pretty severe bone loss, um, extensive periodontal disease. And some of the patients that we see um, that are immigrating over from um, East Africa do as well.
0: Yeah. So when people don't have any dental care, um, yeah. but they, they need to like take care of their teeth, what have you seen people doing like, to kind of, um, yeah, address that gap?
2: Yeah. So. Uh, well, so people who are immigrating to our country, they, it's interesting, they often don't have many cavities. Um, it's because the diet that we have here in the United States is, sh- is so sugar high. <laughs> there's sugar in everything um, and simple carbohydrates. Um, so we often find patients that are, are coming from other countries that haven't had dental care that, are, that just have a different diet. And so thankfully, um, there's not very many cavities. Um, which is good to see. Um, we often see that their gener, their next generation though of kids, of that uh, the first and second generation sometimes, um, because there are so many sugar um, high foods that they that they get a lot of cavities. Not all the time. That's a generalization, but we do often find that. So if you're asking like what a patient who has been uh, born here and if they don't have access to dental care. Um, we thankfully will take anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> people can come through our door we can we'll see we'll see everyone if, if they don't have insu- i mean usually they're qualify for a state insurance program and we we take them about 85% of our patients are in state insurance plans um, we do have mini grants if they don't have if they don't have anything um, there is a kind of a middle group of patients who uh, who work enough that they don't qualify for state insurance plans but they don't have enough money to pay the um the, the fees associated with their insurance. or maybe they don't have any dental insurance at all. So that's kind of a tricky place to be. Uh, goodness, they tell me a little bit of everything that they try for their dental, um, for their dental care. I have even heard of patients trying to take up their own teeth, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. I usually have to finish off
3: the finish off the job for them. Um, yeah. One thing I would add: it's our goal to help people have healthy mouths and save all of their teeth. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, there are some people who their teeth are are so, and their gums are so bad, they, they, we can't save them, they have to be extracted. Mm-hmm. But there are some um, free clinics that that's primarily what they do is yeah. extractions. And w- we work hard to avoid that, and we're well prepared to give comprehensive care to avoid that. And I would say the only thing people really need to do prevent or treat dental disease is brush their teeth, floss their teeth multiple times a day, definitely before Mm -hmm. you go to bed. And if you have dental disease, you really need to be treated by a comprehensive dental provider Mm -hmm. that can restore your teeth where there are cavities, address your gum disease, and help get you to a better place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there are, I mean, there are resources out there. So people takes a little bit of effort maybe um but there are definitely are places for, for people to go to get at least regular checkups so they know where they are mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and we work hard to make people aware that we exist um we talk to county you know public health leaders and sure. we talk to schools and we talk to we were at uh community events that we think are might attract a lot of people that would be eligible for our programs or would need our programs um so we, we do what we can, but, but not everyone who needs us know that we are here. So we're always looking for ways to make people aware.
1: Um, so what are some of the major recent trends that you're seeing um, related to oral health or oral health disparities in your work?
3: I would say a trend, I'm very um, in tune with legislative things because our majority payer. 85% of our patients are in public programs. The payer is the state. So when the legislator makes laws, that affects whether we're paid and what we're paid for and what we're not paid for. And I would say um, another surprising thing is how low the reimbursement is in the state of Minnesota. We have a reputation of being very progressive, especially with regard to health issues and education issues. And so I'm surprised that, um, some people in the legislature in the senate this past session forwarded a bill to eliminate all adult dental benefits. And currently, only half of the things that adults need are covered. So, what we were asking for is to restore adult dental benefits to where they were in 2009, which basically is the things that basic things people need treatment for cavities and treatment for gum disease. Currently, we only have treatment for for cavities among adults. So there's no treatment for gum disease at all. And as you've just heard Dr. Seifert describe, it's a very serious and progressive disease. You know, going untreated, it exacerbates other chronic conditions. So a trend that I see that is disturbing is the legislature doesn't seem to recognize this as a fundamentally important thing for the health of our communities. And I don't mean just the physical well being of our communities, I mean the economic well being of our communities. It's a good investment to cover dental benefits because it enables people to have ha- healthy, productive lives and avoids them not being able to work. You know, it, 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 it's meant to create an environment, a society that works together. And so that's a disturbing trend. <laughs> and there's another trend that they seem to want to eliminate some of them, the critical access dental program which is in fact how we survive it's about 20 to 30 percent of our of our revenue is critical access dollars and we we would go bankrupt (laughs) like overnight if we didn't have this money and and it's genuinely up for it people are debating it um that they might eliminate that program and and we would not be able to survive so that's a very disturbing trend um so, yeah, I don't know if you have other things. No, that
2: had come to mind, too, just kind of threats from government funding. Um, we, we, we run a tight ship. We're a nonprofit. We do good, good, good work for our patients. We've got a really compassionate staff. And uh, if if, our, if our, the, our funding foundation is shaken, um, that will be hard. That would be a hard storm to weather. Yeah.
3: Yes. So we just keep keeping on. You do And do everything as efficiently mm-hmm. and as high quality mm-hmm. and effectively as we possibly can because everyone here is passionate about our mission and it's an awesome feeling. So I think anyone who's going into public health, there's plenty of opportunity and it's a good feeling to be working in public health because you're making a fundamental difference in people's lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I guess our last question is how can people, uh, listeners who are interested in health disparities, and oral health in general, like be involved in, um, in efforts to support oral health in our communities. Yeah. Yes. So
3: we've been working on building our base of individual donors. So the Minnesota Department of Health and Department of Health and Human Services actually are our biggest payer for the services we provide. But we also provide about $1.5 million a year in charity care. And we fund that primarily through our, through basically eating the cost, but also um, donations. And donations are really important. Um, I'd love to say we get $1.5 million in donations. We don't. Um, (laughs) And so we're working really hard to grow that population of donors. And any little bit helps. Um, We have many people just giving us $25. Um, Some people give us 50 some people 100, but we have some people who give us a thousand or more and they're part of our smile circle And our smile circle are these special donors that we are very, you know We're grateful to everyone, but they are they come to special events and they are the people we ask to really advocate for us as well Um, But frankly we'd ask anyone to advocate for us So another thing um, in addition to donations We would really benefit from people reaching out to their elected officials and saying do you know? dental care is really important to us. And we think the state needs to invest more dollars in providing dental care. And the safety net providers are the people they really need to help sustain because our costs keep going up. Our compensation for our employees, our vendor, our supplies costs, our rent, our utilities, everything costs more, but we never get any more in reimbursement. Uh, we don't get increases from the state in terms of of reimbursement, and sometimes we we have things cut. So that would be a great message for everyone to send.
0: Thank you so much to Karen Kleinhans and Dr. Siebert for taking the time to speak with us. We hope that providing a community perspective to oral health has helped our listeners better understand the topic of oral health.
1: Please join us for our next episode on Oral Health, where we will hear from Fang Suda, the president of the Dental Therapy Student Organization at the University of Minnesota. We will also reveal the answer to our quiz question. Thanks for listening.